Welcome to another episode of The Conversation here at The Dakotan, brought to you by Shock, Safe, and Lock. Today, I am joined by Andrew Schultz. He is the current vice chairman of local District 40 GOP District Committee. He describes himself as pro-life, pro-Second Amendment, pro-small business. Schultz is a U.S. Army veteran. He was honorably discharged from active duty in 2010, owned, operated, Minot Law Firm of Worthington and Schultz since 2011. Andrew, it's great to have you today. Thank you very much. I, I think based on all of that, the campaign's over. I don't need to do <laughs> anything else. That's perfect summation of everything there is to know. <laughs> absolutely. Absolutely. Well, I am thankful that you uh, joined us for this podcast. I think it's going to be interesting to get to know more about you, a little bit why you're running and things like that. So let's start there. Why, what prompted you to jump into the race? So Senator Krebsbach recently announced she is retiring from her seat that she's held since 1989. Wow. And a lot of us, I think a lot of us in the district and in, in the voting block weren't even, weren't even born yet when she first <laughs> took office. I think she's done, uh, by and large, a really good job representing yeah. the district. I know she's really represented for uh, local education, for MSU. Absolutely. Um, and and with her leaving the Senate, I felt the need to take up the mantle. So I'm looking forward to, you know, those kinds of issues, local control of things, uh, opportunities for our citizens, and, and promoting the district at large as a whole. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, it was kind of, you, you knew it was coming, but it's still surprising when you found out that she was retiring, Kresbaugh was retiring. Yes. Because. Well, she's such a force. Yeah. If you, if you want to put it that way, it's, you know, you may not agree with, Right, some of the things that she votes for, but you're you're almost kind of in awe of her. She's kind of like Queen Elizabeth, you know. <laughs> even even the prime ministers who who served under her, who you know obviously were constitutional Republicans, yeah. were still in awe of this force. Right, and, and she's a lot like that. Absolutely, absolutely. So, you did t- decide to run for the hou- for the Senate. That would be replacing the seat that Karen Kresbaugh is leaving. Um, it has been reported also that Randy Schobinger, who is uh, in the House seat for District 40, has decided that he would not run for re-election. What, so why Senate versus House? So what you mean what's the difference? Well, yeah, but wha- why did you choose Senate to why Senate? Run, sure. run for the Senate seat? Easy answer. Uh, you're 1 of 47 instead of 1 of 94. Yeah. So there's a little bit more influence you may have over legislation for the things that you particularly care about. Right. For me, that's you know criminal justice, uh, addiction recovery, uh, you know multiple other things. But really, it's it's an issue of influence and the ability to to make an impact right away. Absolutely. This is going to be a little bit out of left field, so I apologize for that. But um, there's a lot of turnover going on in District 40. But this is kind of characteristic of the state as a whole. Right now, we're seeing our governor step down. We're seeing our uh, House, uh, our representative, step down, step down and now run for governor. Kelly Armstrong, he's running for governor. Doug Burgum said that he would step down. Then you have uh, our the Republican uh, chair has recently been, there's been change over there. From uh, Perry to Sandy, yeah. Yep, absolutely, last year. Um, and then for the House seat, you have Rick Becker, you have, uh, and Tom Campbell um, on the Republican side um, that have put their names in the ring. Um, there's a lot of change that's happening. And just focusing on that, is there still stability that we're used to feeling um, in the uh, state politics in District 40 and on at the state? Well, I think as long as the change is occurring from a place of promoting the party platform, 
yeah. then it's really about picking the right person that has your specific values in mind. Right. So, you know, you mentioned Governor Well, okay, uh, Governor Burgum's going to be leaving at the end of this term. Yes. Uh, uh, Congressman Armstrong has declared he's running for governor. But as long as we're talking about who's going to follow the platform, who is following the platform, uh, particularly with regard to those, those top ticket races, uh, as long as the priorities are for the platform, I think there absolutely is stability. Absolutely. So I, I talk about, well, like uh, uh, let's you, you mentioned uh, with Armstrong leaving, uh, Rick Becker's going to be running. He's mm-hmm. been around for a long time. Right. Tom Campbell's been around for a long time. Absolutely. These are known quantities. Mm-hmm. People know who they are. They know what they stand for. Right. So I do think there's stability in that regard. But yeah. any anyone who tells me the party's in chaos, I, I would tend to largely disagree with yeah. them. You know, like, like any family, we've got our squabbles. Absolutely. Um, but, but by and large, it's still the same family in my mind. And we're not going to focus on it too long, but, but North Dakota is a weird state as far as that's concerned. So our squabbles are magnified more than perhaps in a more competitive state between Republicans and Democrats. I'd agree with that. So it makes it interesting. Um, also, the Democrat that will be running for that house seat is Democrat Trig, Trig Hammer. So going to be interesting to see how all that plays out. But back to District 40. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a little bit of process that is going to happen. Let's walk through that. First, the first thing that we're looking that you're looking to happen is to be endorsed by the party. What when's that happening? That's right. So I announced in, uh, well I announced on January 23rd. Mm-hmm. Uh, it happens to be my wife's birthday. Oh, um, announced on January 23rd, and the endorsing convention is March 12th. Okay. So we don't have a time or a place set for that. Okay. Uh, there are notices that have to be provided. Right. That will all occur over social media and the other ways that it needs to happen. Uh, but as of right now, the endorsement convention will be March 12th. March 12th. Okay, very good. After that, we've got the state convention, right, uh, which is set for Fargo, I believe, on April 5th and 6th. Okay. And then we've got the primary election in mid-June. It's always the second Tuesday in June. I think this year it would fall on the 11th. Okay. And then the general election is November 5th. Right. So a few important dates for our viewers to pay attention to. Now, the uh, convention that will happen in Fargo, that will not have any effect on you personally, right? That's right. I still would like to be a delegate to that because it's, it's a great time Absolutely. to always meet people across the state right? and to check in with old friends. Uh, but no, that particular, those dates will have no effect on, on the race. My, on, on my race. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Very cool. So you're not a stranger to politics. This isn't your first time running for... Uh, something in District 40 or other uh, positions. Uh, I have it that you've pre- previously ran for Ward County State's Attorney, yep. uh, Minot City Council, and then the... I want to clear up about the council. I didn't okay. run. Okay. There was a vacancy created when Mayor right. Ross got elected. Yes. And I applied to be appointed to fulfill his, his vacancy. Just the rest of his term, remainder right. of his term. So gotcha. I, I, didn't, I didn't run Actually for run. It. I, I applied to be appointed. Very good. Uh, along with host of other <laughs> I'm people. sure yeah. I'm sure I, I think there were I mean there there had to have been more than a dozen of us may have been almost two dozen wow so there were there were a lot of us yeah um and then the uh representative seat for district 40 in 2016 mm-hmm. um so it's been a few years since you've ran though what what makes this the right time for you to jump back into it doing what I do for a living as as an attorney as specifically as a defense attorney you're always 
on or near the front lines mm -hmm. of a lot of things that the legislature talks about. So there's a familiarity there already. Uh, I, I get the updates about you know how pretrial services are, are going. I, I think they're going really well. Bail jumping is way down. That's a That's good, good thing the legislature did. Um, the modifications to some of our drug laws, you know how those are being written and rewritten. So I would say, sure, I, I keep that familiarity. And when there are things that I see that I think I can contribute towards, my family has a history of public service. It's a natural avenue for me. Okay. So why now? Because it's time. It's time. I've, I've got some areas that I care about, some issues I care about, and I think I can make an impact at the legislature. Right. This It runs on a four-year cycle, so it's not like you have a chance in, obviously not next year, but in the next even year, uh, 2026, you don't have another chance to run. You'd have to wait till 2028. Till 28, right. Right. Yeah. So that make a big difference. Um, now there's another person that from your district that has thrown their hat into the ring. Um, Charles Tuttle has said that he's running for that position. Does that change anything for you? And how does that affect at the, I know that there's a little bit of history with Charles Tuttle that we'll cover at a different time with Charles Tuttle, um, not wanting to jump into that specifically, but how does that affect things at all? Honestly, it doesn't. You know, I, I know Mr. Tuttle is no stranger to the political arena. Right. Uh, he's actually a neighbor of mine. I think he lives okay. five or six houses down from me. And we've had a lot of great conversations about, yeah. you know, policy changes that need to happen. Right. Um, some, some people that need to be at the forefront of, of our statewide leadership. We've had great discussions about those things. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as my campaign, my campaign's about my issues. Right. And when we talk about those, I can, I can talk about those without referring to Mr. Tuttle. Yeah. So his entry into this race doesn't really affect how I run my campaign. Absolutely. Now, one of the spots that we mentioned that you ran previously for was the uh, representative seat in mm -hmm. 2016. And at the time, you actually ran against Matt Ruby and stuff because you were on the Democratic ticket for District I 40. Was. I was. Um, and so that's an interesting thing that I've heard be mentioned by some. Um, why, why on the Republican ticket this time around? Well, and I... I do appreciate that because I've been asked that several times. Mm -hmm. um, and before, you know, people start shouting, Rhino, Rhino. Yeah. You know, those eight years were were spent showing my actual conservative credentials. Right. Um, you know, small budget government, effective government, non-wasteful government, uh, you know, showing up at meetings, marching in parades, contributing to Republican candidates. Uh, you know, that, that sort of vetting period for any other reason I think was necessary to to show people that I, I am who I say I am. Yeah. Uh, but as far as being a Democrat, you know, I, I grew up in a place where Democrats outnumbered Republicans two to one. Right. If you wanted to seek elective office, you had to win the Democratic primary. Mm -hmm. uh, and at that time in the early 90s in Kentucky, especially in the Appalachian Mountains, the major tenants of, of the local parties Promote small business. Yeah. Take care of your workers. Right. Government, by and large, stay out of our lives. Okay. Um, give people a second chance if they've earned it. Mm -hmm. I Those are definitely compassionate, conservative values. Right. So I certainly don't feel out of place as a Democrat before 2016, and I don't feel out of place as a Republican after it. 
yeah. that really was a benchmark election. That was the point where I, I don't think anybody could honestly say, you know, the, the Democrats were a party of actual meritocracy after that point. Because mm-hmm. before then, you know, what do, you, what do we see? We see the third wave of the 90s where it's give everybody an equal chance and where you end up is up to you. Right. Well, that's, I, that spoke to me as somebody growing up how I did. Yeah. But after, after Hillary Clinton got involved and we had the 2016 election, it became more clear that uh, the Democratic Party was, was really more of a party of trying to overcorrect right. for perceived historical biases. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that overcorrection rubs a lot of people the wrong way, and it rubbed me the wrong way. The 2016 political cycle, it, it really changed a lot of things in the, in the political space uh, with all the things that went down that year. And I think it probably changed politics forever. I, I agree. And it changed me too. Uh, you know, prior to 2016, uh, well, I was, I was certainly I was pro-life. I was right. pro-Second Amendment. Uh, after 2016, those positions just didn't belong in the Democratic Party anymore. I found my home with the Republicans uh, largely because of that, and then come to find out the whole time the same economic beliefs and social beliefs I had the whole time were were benchmarks of the Republicans too. So I've I've definitely found my home. Very good. It's good information to have. Uh, quickly, I want to take a moment and give a shout out for our election central that we're launching on the Dakota. And if if you're a viewer and you're interested in tracking all the information that's going on with the majority of the candidates, you should head over to mydakotan.com and click Election Central. The Dakotans elected Election Central is the go-to source for information on your favorite candidates and races that pertain to you this political season. You're going to be able to see a bunch of information about the candidates. You'll be able to filter by whatever criteria you want to filter by so you can find the exact people you need to know. We're going to be supplying information about them. We're going to be doing podcasts with them like we are right now. We're going to be doing five-minute videos with them where we get some of the information that really will help you determine if there's someone that you want to support this political season. We're going to be providing all that information right there, turning it into something like a voter's guide for you. So you can go ahead and go to the voting boxes with confidence. So make sure you head on over to MyDakotan.com, click Election Central, stay up to date on all that information this year. Switching gears a little bit, going to issues. We haven't talked about the issues. We have the base that you're running off of is opportunity, security, personal liberty, and fiscal responsibility. There you go. Tell us about it. All right, so they're not really policies. They're principles. Okay. So the idea is, what do, what do we really value as a community? Well, we don't want to spend more money than we've got. Right. We want to keep government off our backs. Yeah. We want to be safe. Right. And we want to get our fair shake. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of just how I've labeled them. Right. So fiscal responsibility means smart financial policy. It means... You know, when, when Governor Burgum asks for an incredibly large budget mm-hmm. in the last session, yeah. the legislature doesn't come back with a budget which grossly exceeds that. Right. You know, and we've, we've got all these funds. We have to spend that money wisely. Mm-hmm. And if we can do all of that, why are we saddling people with, with all of the property tax, you know, things that are going on? So uh, you, can, you can see how that kind of thing can play into more than one principle. Right. But, you know, when, when we get into those policy areas, you can really apply them in more than one place. Absolutely. Yeah. 
That's so I, I take criminal justice as an example right. too. You know, we talk about security. Well, obviously, we have a vested interest in protecting ourselves from people who break our laws. Mm-hmm. And we can put them in jail, we can put them in rehab, but at some point, their sentence is going to be over. Right. So what, what, what happens then? Do yeah. we just wait for them to reoffend? Do we give them the necessary tools to succeed? Do we help them in their transition? Or do we just say, you know what, your sentence is over? you know, go and send no more and give them nothing to go off of. Right. So there we're touching on opportunity and security. And also, in, in my opinion, that's fiscally responsible too. Right. Because the cost of just arresting someone, incarcerating them over and over and over, instead of saying, you know what, treatment may not work the first time, may not work the second time, but going to treatment three times, maybe more than arresting them nine times. Right. Which we've seen people in this pattern just get caught over and over and over again. Absolutely. Because at the end of their sentence, they're not ready to come back. Right. So when they get out, they don't feel like they belong, and it just makes them more likely to get arrested again. Right, yeah. There's definitely some refund that needs to happen in that area. Uh, there's millions of dollars that's being spent by the government every year um, to help with it, and it's, 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 it's helping. It is helping. But there's not the opportunity that you're talking about. It's you, you have this portion, this window where they're able to be helped, and then it ends, and then you see the cycle happen again of where they go back to their old ways or whatever. And it's yeah. because there's not the proper support well, that's given them. And for me, too, a, a perfect world is every deputy at the sheriff's department is sitting at a desk, safe. Yeah. You know, waiting for something to happen instead of being out patrolling the streets and coming upon God knows what. Right. To have every Monop police officer hanging out with Bear Scat Donuts. Yeah. Right. And and coffee and and sitting around enjoying their day. Right. Rather than having to deal with arresting people or the dangers that that comes with. Mm-hmm. And to just have clean streets, a well functioning court system. Right. You know that's that's safety. Yeah. And that's opportunity because now everybody else is not having to worry about quite frankly, a bullet going through their window right? or or somebody mistaking them for somebody else that there may be a gang affiliation there that we mm-hmm. didn't have a decade ago. You know, these these are all all different principles that you can apply these to. And yeah. It, it saves money over time, in my opinion. I, I think something that's interesting, wh- what's your view of mine? I mean, we look at politics always well, at the state level. I got here in 2010. Yeah. So I got, I got here in April of 2010 after I got discharged from the Army. Mm-hmm. And... You know, my, my wife and I, who I, was, I used to be married to, uh, we got a duplex, and, you know, it was fine. Yeah. It was fine. Right. The garbage got picked up. Uh, the mail was delivered. Um, we, we dug out the driveway when it snowed. Yep. And I went to work, and it was, it was, uh, it was a good life. Right. And then the shooting started happening. Right. And, you know, sure, you can say, you can say we had a meth problem from 08 to maybe 2012 during the oil boom. Yep. But after that, it turned into heroin. Right. And it turned into pills yep. and fentanyl. You Absolutely. Know, we have to stop and ask, our, ask ourselves, why did this happen? Right. How did it happen? Yeah. What could we have done to keep it or slow it right. from happening? And what do we do now? Mm-hmm. You know, the reality is I don't, I don't think there's a single family in Minot who doesn't know personally right. someone who's been affected by either meth Heroin, pills, or fentanyl. It's the absolute reality right there. Yeah. That's sad. That's not how the, the you're growing up, even me, although I'm younger, thought America was supposed to be when I became an adult. I unfortunately had that kind of experience when I was a child. Yeah. 
uh, in Kentucky in the 90s. It was the pill mills out of West okay. Virginia, and they would run pills yeah. into the mountains into eastern Kentucky. Right. So, you know, Oxycontin was a big yep. deal. Heroin yep. was a big deal. Uh, and I, I lost uh, friends. Yep. Um, including somebody I really looked up to in high school. He was a baseball player uh, who overdosed, I believe, on Vicodin, mm-hmm. uh, but definitely on an opiate uh, right. after getting a full ride to play college baseball. Sad. Got addicted to pills. Yep. And, I mean, this this kind of stuff happened all the time. Right. And it was it was sad to see it. It made me sick. Right. Um, and, and when I see it now, it makes me sad and it makes me sick. Yeah. So even in my own criminal defense practice, my eye is usually toward some sort of rehab treatment, uh, right. fixing those life problems. Yeah. Do you have a driver's license? Do you have a job? Do you have a safe place to live? You know, and I've, I've found if we can supply those things or help people find those things, uh, then we're a really long way towards you know, reducing that recidivism and, and reducing them continuing to be arrested for the same thing over and over. Absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. I grew up in Oregon, man. Oh, yeah. Now it's the central place for all the problems with, with all that stuff related. It's just crazy to see. And so it's good that we are looking for solutions to it. Um, I know that there's people that we've had on the podcast in the past. It was a business coach that we had that struggled with some of the pills and things like that and was able to overcome. And we need, those need to be the stories that we're able to find right. uh, of people. We need, we need to have examples. We need to make examples to follow. Right. Absolutely. I agree. Absolutely. Well, really appreciate you joining us today, going over your decision to run for the Senate seat in District 40. Um, any parting words of wisdom that you have for us? Get involved. There you Get go. Get engaged. Absolutely. It's your, it's your civic duty to vote, to participate in the political process, but it is your privilege to put yourself front and center and say, I have a skill set mm-hmm. that I'm willing to put towards the use of of my community i I think that's honorable i think it's a privilege and so far it's it's been one of the highlights of my life absolutely if somebody wants to get involved with your campaign specifically where do they go we're going to be releasing a website soon Uh, right now you can email if you want to get involved the email is schultz for senate 40 the number 40 at gmail.com and if you see me at the grocery store if you see me at the post office or the bank or whatever and, and you want to say hi or talk, I'll, I'll always spare a minute for someone who wants to talk policy. Absolutely. Well, thank you again, Andrew. Uh, wish you best of luck in your campaign. Thanks for having me. This has been another edition of The Conversation here at the Dakotan. I'm Jonathan Starr, and it was brought to you by Shock Safe and Lock. Hope you have a great day, and stay tuned. We're going to have a lot more of these coming at you.